Hey everyone, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like Mark Hamill, king of the nerds. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about love, logic, and false dichotomies, um, or really just dichotomies in general, actually. Uh, I spend the first half of the episode talking about dichotomies, and for those of you not familiar with dichotomies, it's essentially it's extremes. Um, these sort of um, really solid, that's it, not always extremes, I, I mean, I guess it is, it's, it's really like right versus wrong, you know, very like black and white kind of thinking, right? So those are dichotomies um, going to extremes. I'm right, you're wrong. Um, there's no gray area, that kind of thing. So we, we kind of play with logic in the gray area and talking about that a little bit and how you can kind of start to, to, to bring that into your life a little bit. And then I read an article from Paul Merrick, who uh, I might try to get on the show. He seems really interesting. He's a third grade teacher who wrote an article about logic, love, logic, and false dichotomies that I thought was really interesting to kind of share a perspective about how he thinks about, um, you know, uh, those extremes and dichotomies and all that stuff. So anyway, we're going to jump right into the show and hit the button and do the thing. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys. We are probably going to hit 40,000 listens this month. So I'm really, really not for this month, but like all time, um, this month. And, uh, I'm really stoked for that. So thank you so much for continuing to listen to the show, for being here, for being patient with all the ads as I try to like make some money and figure all this stuff out, uh, and make things happen. So I know some of you are like, look at all these ads and they keep hearing them over and over again. Trust me. These are great people. I love them. They support me and what I do. And, um, you know, if, if it fits into something that you're interested in, please, please, please go check them out. They are great people, people that I personally have connected with, not just like Squarespace. Right. So that's, that's the difference. So that's it. Um, um, Let's get started with the show. I'm going to hit the button, do the thing, listen to the theme song, and get all hyped, and we're going to have a good time. And all right, bye. Okay, let's go. Drums, please. All right. Welcome to the show. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, before we carry on, I want to let you guys know that there is the Boss Project Summit sponsored by Dubsado, where I talk about branding and branding being more than a logo. So if you want to sign up for that, go to bit.ly slash cnote summit to sign up for that. Um, I'm not going to take up any more time on that. So um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, dichotomies and really dichotomies are really the extremes of thought that we happen to get into in like our default state when we are, you know, being humans, uh, you know, the natural human order of things is to kind of create uh, social structures and hierarchies. And then we kind of play with, let me turn down the game real quick. Actually, it's really hot mic, hot mic. <laughs> um, uh, we, we create these like dichotomies and sort of rights and wrongs and all these should statements and everything should be in one box or another box or lives on one extreme or another extreme. You have to be one political party or another political party. You have to be one type of thing or another type of thing. You can't be a little bit of both, like something like that. Right. And that seems to be kind of a, 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 a cause of like, you know, social understanding, you know, the, the society as a whole tends to fall into sort of, you know, a place where sort of it's 
I'm trying to be careful with this wording. A society as a whole tends to fall into a place that is of the same status as its lowest status members. Meaning, what I mean by that, and I don't mean that in a we're better than you kind of way, but I mean that like think about it in like the Graves model and in terms of personal development, right? So there are going to be people who have um, are in different stages of their own personal development. They're running their own race and they're, they're different parts of their own race, right? So while they're running that race, you know, we're also running a group race. We're all kind of tethered in a certain way also. So we're, as a society, as a country, as, you know, what, wherever you are, peoples as a whole tend to, or even within your small community, tend to sort of feel held back or feel um, some sense of, of average um, vibe of the levels of development that are within the group, right? So it's kind of averaged out like, or, or, you know, kind of the weakest link sort of thing. And that's why we need to like kind of nurture our, you know, what we deem as quote unquote, the lowest forms of society. Um, people who are not doing so well. And honestly, it's, it's more about where people are in their personal development and the ability to develop themselves. Right. So again, this is not about classification. This is not about me trying to say that like I'm better than you or someone else is better than someone else. It's simply about people are at different stages of development and to kind of nurture and help each other grow. We have to understand that they are a part of the human ecosystem. And if we are all not growing in a similar pace that, you know, we are going to be uh, typically falling into a certain, um, uh, a, a certain belief pattern or uh, way of living, way of being, essentially. It's, it's getting a little, little philosophical here. But <laughs> the idea here is that kind of the way that the country is now, we are certainly living at a place where most of the development stages of people in life are really stuck in sort of that, um, that cliche or common sense, quote unquote, uh, dichotomy of, you know, right or wrong. And, and, and there's not a lot of room for nuanced uh, discussion between people or between ideas. And, um, you know, you're really seeing like smaller groups of people talking about more of the um, the emergence of playing within that gray area and being okay within that gray area. And it's really slowly seeping into uh, common culture to be okay with that gray area. But we're still having issues, you know, with government, with certain parts of the country or um, certain uh, families and stuff like that. And this is not a common, like if, if you're like assuming that I'm talking about a certain thing, like, you know, and, and you're, you're a part of that certain thing, maybe you need to check yourself because I'm not talking about anything specifically. So the idea here is that, is, is that, you know, we as humans tend to default into extremes, right? We tend to default into these extremes because it is a part of our defensive nature. You know, we are still creatures, we are biological beings. We have defense mechanisms. We have systems, you know, built within us that are meant to defend ourselves, to put up barriers, to protect our families, to, um, to protect our ideals, to protect our ego, things like that. Right. And those dichotomies, those extremes are typically in service of protecting that. So when you start to think about, um, you know, um, ideological extremes like religion or politics, for the most part, it gets to this place where it becomes so solidly foundational that it becomes really hard for people to kind of shake out of that, right? 
and to become a little bit more uh, communal as a society. People start to quarter themselves off and you get into this place of, of me versus them or us versus them. Right. And, you know, I, I think American society as a whole, um, not to get too social political here. That's not what I'm, that's not the goal of this episode. Um, you know, the, the, the country is, is very much that, that divide that people are talking about all the time is essentially because we live in this place of dichotomies. You know, we have this, uh, we have extreme assumptions about other people. We have um, extreme perspectives about ourselves and we often feel like we need to fit into one bucket or another. And to be in the gray area is to be weird and to like stand out in a way that's not healthy, not perceived as healthy, I should say, and um, not good for society. And that becomes a really cha- really big challenge as a whole. But I, I also want to talk about this. I, I wanted to put the put that perspective in your mind because it really starts with you. It starts as an individual with an individual. It starts with people wanting to grow and develop as individuals. Right. And this is not to say that any one movement or religion or political thing or anything is the right or wrong way. That's exactly the problem (laughs) is assuming that there is a, a set right or wrong every single time. And, um, sometimes understanding that there are dichotomies that can shift and can change and that you can ebb and flow and play with logic, that logic is subjective and that you can change your perspective in order to change your logic or that you could change, um, you know, even just your train of thought when it comes to your own personal uh, troubles and difficulties that you're having in life, you know? So that's why I talk about the four agreements all the time, because for me, that is like, as my version of the Bible <laughs> and it's really short and succinct, which is why I love it. It's only four lines. <laughs> you don't need to read a whole thing um, and read weird stories. Um, it's really just four little things. It's uh, be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions. Um, uh, uh, what is it? Don't take things personally and um, do always do your best. Right. Those are the four. <laughs> um, I always, always struggle to pull those back up, but, um, those are really important. And, you know, one of the big ones is don't take things personally and not taking things personally is, is a way that you can start to think about reframing some of your logic, especially when you get into conflict and people start to kind of come at you for certain things, or you feel like someone's coming at you for a certain thing. But, Honestly, if you were to reframe your logic and try to think about what they're feeling from their perspective, then you might be able to meet them in the middle a little bit more easily, right? And not become so defensive and not defend your ego or your space or your partners or whatever, um, or your ideology or anything like that. You know, you could more likely meet someone in the middle. And I'm talking about little arguments, like talking with someone at home and, you know, you're, you're spouse comes home from work and they're like real snippety and um, everything's just really sharp and they're being very defensive and they're just in a very ego sensitive kind of place. Right. And you could take everything personally. You could say like, why aren't you coming home and being happy to see me and loving me and blah, 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 blah. Or you could understand like, Hey, I know that they've had a hard day of work at the same time. You know, you got to let them know like, Hey, you, this is not an excuse to, to belittle me, like you, you go do what you need to do to like calm down, go to the gym, go relax, go do something. Right. But this is not an excuse for you to take this out on me. Um, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. Right. 
And having, you know, another, another way to frame it is essentially empathy, right? Your understanding that is um, that, that this person has had a rough day. They're, they're grinding it out at work and they come home and they just want some sort of quiet or they need something. They need something, right? And they're not sure entirely what that might be. And they tend to project that. And it's important for you to, of course, to protect yourself, but it's also important for you to make sure that you're not taking it personally. Like they're not coming home to beat you up emotionally. You know, that's not what their purpose is. Most of the time, that's not what someone's purpose is. They are projecting something where they are working through something. Again, that's not an excuse to allow persistent abuse. That's not what this is about. But it allows you to stand your ground so that you don't take it personally. Right. Because like you can say and present it to them, look, I know this is not about me. I know you've had a hard day, but I need you to, 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 to come home in a better state, or I need you to tell me what you need so I can help you. Um, so that this is not creating any kind of chaos in our home or something like that. Right. Um, and being able to understand that it's not about this extreme that usually you go to when you take something personally and, this, you know, you create bar- barriers between yourself and this other person where you're just like, I am me so instead of this relationship, right? Now you become, I am me and I am defensive and I need to protect myself versus they are them and they are defensive and they need to protect themselves. You know, you need to find a play with those gray areas and kind of meet in the middle. I mean, that's just like a minor example, but I find that when we get into a place consistently of playing within di- these extremes and dichotomies, that's where we get into much of our conflict because we're just so far apart from one another. How can we even see eye to eye in any kind of way and have empathy in any kind of way and just like listen to the other person, right? If you're so busy being defensive, I try to think of being defensive as being physically separated. You know, even if you're in the same space and you're in a defensive state and you're, you know, kind of going to one extreme, try to imagine yourself physically distant from that person, not saying that you should be distant. I'm saying that when you are in that state, it is like you are creating such a strong distance with a fence in between that you're not going to be able to hear each other and being able to listen to them and kind of soften those walls and be able to have a little bit more empathy and stop listening um, or stop um, taking things personally or making assumptions about what they want or anything like that and asking clear questions and sort of, um, you know, being, being very clear about your intentions and what you want, all of that stuff brings you closer together. And this counts as like couples for family members for, and I, and I think as a whole, you know, in societal ways and, um, religious structures and, and people who have different ideologies, all sorts of things. I don't think this is any different, right? <clears throat> in any sort of way, being willing to see perspective, not necessarily have to tread on each other, but, you know, respect each other's space as it were. And, um, just being able to more confidently play in that gray area. And I think some of the challenges that we face as a society is that we don't really teach that gray area to children when we're younger, right? To we, I don't remember other than me being a naturally logical question asking kind of person, I don't remember a lot of school teaching anything beyond, you know, numbers and reading and, um, you know, all of the the sort of basics that you need to know, but not teaching that kids, you know, that decisions can sometimes go one direction or another, that it's, 
you know, basically subjectivity is not really taught. And it's, it's a hard thing to teach, right? Um, I think I had a logic class once in college, but I don't even think that was very interesting. <laughs> so I, I honestly think that being able to teach that at a younger age, somehow, some way, um, can be a little bit better to a better way to kind of grow um, a future society that can be more comfortable and confident having subjective conversations without taking things personally or making assumptions. Right. So um, we're going to take a break and I'm going to read a little article for you that is written by what sounds like an INTP um, talking a little bit about logic and love and false dichotomies. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets, all that and much more. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca wherever you get your podcasts. TIAA is on a mission. Why? Because 54% of Black Americans don't have enough savings to retire. So in collaboration with big name artists like Wyclef Jean, TIAA released Paper Right. New music inspiring a new financial future. With 100% of streaming sales going to a nonprofit that teaches students how to invest. Stream Paper Right now and help close the gap. All right. Welcome back. Uh, just another quick reminder. If you go to bit.ly slash CNote Summit, you can sign up for my keynote at the uh, Boss Project Summit sponsored by Dubsado. And I will be talking about Real Talk, the um, – what is it called? <laughs> uh, Real Talk logos or branding is more than logo, more than logo. Right. So I'm talking all about branding and there's a little bit of mental health stuff in there and it's a really great talk. So you can sign up for free, get your free seat. But if you also want to have access to that forever beyond the four days that it airs, um, you can pay $49 for the pre-party pass. So go do that now. Bit.ly slash CNote Summit. Uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about logic, love, and false dichotomies. There's this quick article that I read uh, by Paul Merrick. It's on his blog. Um, it's called Inspired Make um, Learning Personal by Humanizing the Classroom. So he's uh, a teacher, and he sounds like a really great guy. Um, Paul is a national board-certified educator in Chicago. His writing has been featured in a number of prominent education publications, such as Ed Surge, a ASCD's Educational Leadership, and the International Literacy Association's Literacy Today. He's also been featured in The New Yorker. He currently teaches third grade and loves every moment of it. So I'm going to look further into this guy because he seems like a really good dude, um, and I would love to have him on the show. It seems like he talks about philosophy a lot, um, and sounds like he might be an INTP <laughs> or an ENTP. Um, so we're, I'm going to read this article verbatim, and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. So here we – actually, I'm going to take a swig of water. Before we do that, stay hydrated, kids. 
especially if you're doing a podcast and you're using your voice all day. It's pretty important to make sure that that's a thing that you do. All right, we're going to read this article. A dichotomy refers to subject matter that can easily be that can be easily classified into two discrete groups. I've been exploring this a great deal and in many different contexts. For instance, the subjective and objective are generally seen as two opposing ends of a clear dichotomy. Many believe that an experience or a thought can either be classified as subjective to varying thought or objectified by proven fact. Remember learning about fact and opinion? Like Likewise, many are apt to classify decisions into right and wrong. This is a generally accepted and relatively clear dichotomy. There are certain things you do, and there are certain things you don't. However, most of us know that this psychotomous perspective, while ideal, is not the way the world works. Things don't fit into neat categories, and life is not a flow map laid before our feet dictating all possible scenarios and painting clear paths along the way. The idea of of quote unquote dichotomy can be can also be dangerous in my opinion. If we begin to classify ourselves into categories, we also begin to classify ourselves into non-categories, limiting what we are capable of, which in turn creates false dichotomies. For those of you that are teachers or parents, this can be especially, especially challenging for children as they struggle to form and make sense of their own identities. While the original intent of a dichotomy is more so to help us as people categorize and organize just like anything else, one must achieve a sense of balance with dichotomy. Personally, I'm apt to classify myself into the logical analytical category, INTP. In fact, just the other day, someone told me, think deeply, Paul, but don't overthink. She hit the nail right on the head because that's what I was doing. But hey, at least I'm consistent. <laughs> however, I'm classifying, even classing myself, uh, however, even classifying myself as logical or analytical limits me. Likewise, removing this label would be limiting, which is why I think it's important to embrace ourselves as a whole person, where we define ourselves not by the categories that we fit into, but where we define ourselves by our actions, our mistakes, and the lessons we learn from those mistakes. Having said all of this, I'm grateful for somewhat of a dichotomy that exists within me today. Number one, I'm grateful for my logic. I used to view my analytical mindset as a fault, but sometimes it is okay to overthink, get lost in thought, and pick something apart because through this process, we get to know whatever it is we're picking apart better. By getting lost in our overthoughts, we find peace in either a solution or the acceptance that there is no discernible solution. However, we'd never get there if we didn't go through the process of overthinking and getting lost in our thoughts first. Number two. I'm grateful for my heart. Love is the other side of the logic dichotomy. And while the analytical corners of the brain are often firing at a breakneck, breakneck pace um, or speed, he says, my heart also beats with the same intensity. I respond to impulse. I wear my heart on my sleeve and I like to believe I lead in vulner very vulnerably with my heart, especially in my classroom. Uh, number three, I'm grateful that these parts of me are really not parts at all. My head and my heart are so intertwined, almost to the point of um, malignancy, tearing them apart would mo most likely kill me, which is probably why I love to teach so much. Teaching requires an intricate mix of art and science, one that asks us to analyze, use what we know, and act pragmatically, while at times follow our hunches, our values, and our hearts to provide the absolute best and most nurturing experience in the classroom. So like that's, those are all amazing words. I love it. Um, articles over by the way. Um, and, uh, he's definitely an INTP because very analytical, but there's a bit of warmth in there. And, uh, I love that aspect. I think it's a really great, um, 
really fantastic uh, perspective, especially like finding that mix between, you know, logic and uh, your heart. You know, we often think of, of opinions and, and um, love, you know, facts and love as like these opposing forces. And that's not at all true. And finding the intertwining of it all is really kind of the beauty of the INTP growth process but also, you know, the human process, because we're going to all have different dichotomies. If you think about it literally from the Myers-Briggs perspective, you know, I lead with introverted thinking and my dichotomy, my fourth inferior function is my extroverted feeling. So I'm an introverted thinker, very logical, very cold in that sense, playing with subjective data. And then my extroverted feeling is all about harmony and making sure people's needs are met and the people that I care about are taken care of and, um, you know, working through conflict and not avoiding it. Right. So all of that is really important to my personal growth as a person and really like kind of marrying those dichotomies and finding a way to merge those things through my learning styles, which are my two middle functions, my extroverted intuition and my introverted sensing being able to confidently and comfortably kind of navigate through all these things allows me to just kind of like live a little bit more naturally and fluidly and not be so stoic and rigid. Right. And it's going to be harder for people who are more fact-based and dealing with those kinds of challenges that, you know, you really are not naturally wired to kind of think in gray areas so much. You're very much like, this is what is, and this is what isn't, you know, I find like ISTJs tend to have the most trouble with that sort of thing. Again, if you're following the Myers-Briggs system um, and, and those that are not familiar, an ISTJ is someone who's introverted sensing, thinking and judging type. So they're going to lead with introverted sensing, but they're going to also have, have extroverted thinking. So they're going to be putting a lot of emphasis on the tried and true things that are factual and proven. And they're not going to be playing with things that are not factually or proven, not likely to be playing with theories and things that are just kind of like in process. Right. So that could be a real challenge. And especially with kids, you know, I love the fact that he's a teacher, this, you know, reading this and knowing he's a teacher gives me a lot of hope because um, I was just talking about it in the last segment that like, to be able to teach kids a little bit about, you know, the nuances of logic and, and fact and fact versus opinion and how, you know, we can kind of play with all those things and sort of understand um, what's going on within, you know, these two worlds and how we can kind of merge them and how living in extremes, you know, separates people. I think, I think it's really important for a teacher to be able to teach that with his kids. I don't know how he does that with his kids. I don't know if he's like literally teaching that to third graders, but I would certainly love to find out. So I think I'm going to reach out to him and see if he would want to be on the show. Cause that would be absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, I think he would bring an interesting voice to the show. So um, he's got other articles on here as well. So Paul Merrick.com M E or Paul E Merrick.com P A U L E M E R I C H. So paulmerrick.com. Also just search for love, logic, and false dichotomies and that it'll probably come up. So this article is from 2014. Um, I'm going to go to his homepage and see if he's still writing stuff. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's still writing a lot of things. So, so um, the limits of voice and choice, he's got a lot of um, rethinking differentiation, uh, individualization and personalization. He's got a lot of great articles on here. So I'll probably reference him again on the future. I'm totally going to check his stuff out and, um, see if we can have him on the show. So that'll be rad. 
So yeah, I think I think that's it. Um, uh, there's nothing really else that I can add to this conversation at the moment. Um, if you have any thoughts on dichotomies, are you experiencing these intense extremes in your life? You know, I think a lot of us are. You know, again with like the political and ideological ideological stuff within religion, we're experiencing a lot of difficulties within all of that. Um, uh, but in more in everyday life, you know, are you experiencing challenges with your kids? You know, how do you if you want to learn how to teach your kids how to do this stuff, you know, like it would be really interesting. Um, if, if you're curious to have Paul Merrick on the show, um, I'm going to reach out to him and see if he will. Um, or if, you know, I can pass some questions to him. That would be awesome. Um, or if you have any questions for me about what I'm talking about here, because I'm just kind of reintroducing a concept and having people think about it. I don't have the answers, honestly. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's not always that simple, of course. Um, but that's the challenge of having a show like this, right? Like, I'm not an expert. I'm not claiming to be an expert. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a therapist or anything like that. So we're just talking about things that are on my mind. And uh, I think about dichotomies all the time. So um, yeah, that's it. We're going to wrap up the show. If you have any questions, hit me up at, uh, at dopamine.life, um, on anchor and hit me up with a voice message or hit me up at let's go see notes on all my social channels. Um, you can also subscribe to the show on dopamine.life or leave a financial donation. Um, and, uh, a rating and review would absolutely be amazing. Uh, you can check out my website at cnote.media. I finally put all my courses up there or, or my, all my prices up there rather. Uh, so if you have any questions about multimedia design, Myers-Briggs coaching or podcasting, that's where you can go to find all about that stuff or hit me up at any of the social channels again. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, take care of yourselves and each other and uh, try to be a little bit patient with each other where you can, you know, again, try not to take things personally. That is one of the biggest things in life that kind of helps you move a little bit forward. So that's it. I'm going to talk to you guys later on dopamine. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.